Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Got another dude! What's better than this? Guys being dudes. Dudes to the right, dudes to the left, stuck in the middle with you. Got another dude! Heisman Trophy, Bronco Nagurski Award. Ultimate dudes. Got another dude. O-line you, bunch of dudes. Lot of dudes. Yeah! Another dude in the house. Welcome to the Lot of Dudes podcast, presented by Fourth and Dude, brought to you by Boston College 24-7 and Armchair All-Americans, Season 3, Week 12. The Eagles got tomahawk chopped by the Seminoles on Saturday losing a heartbreaker to Florida State by a score of 38-31. to The Eags fall to 5-5 on the year and face the prospect of missing out on a bowl for just the second time in Coach Adazio's seven-year tenure. On today's special edition Daz Hot Seat episode, Matt and I will break down what went wrong versus the Knolls, talk a little BC hoops, and head into the courtroom for what will likely be a heated, duteous corpus as we debate whether it's time to say goodbye to the head dude. Matt, I, I've had so many feelings the last couple of days. I'm angry. I'm sad. I'm disappointed, frustrated. Needless to say, the Adazio era has taken its toll on me mentally. But before we get to my biannual therapy session at this point, a word from our good friends at my bookie. The football season is winding down, but there is still plenty of time to get off the sidelines and get into the game with my bookie. My bookie is the premier place to bet on all the football action every weekend, always with the most up-to-date lines and most prop bets of any sports book on the planet. If you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and bet with the best at MyBookie, whether it's parlays, teasers, props, futures, live bets, you name it. They have everything you need to make money on the weekends. Best part is if you join MyBookie right now, they will double your first deposit. That's right. If you put in $1,000, they'll give you $1,000 to use on all of your best picks. Use promo code CHAIR to activate the offer. That's promo code CHAIR to double your cash. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Matt, a couple of quick housekeeping notes. We're going to do an abbreviated episode today, just a an FSU recap, and then like you said, a spirited court session. And then we'll be back next week for a full Notre Dame preview. A little round ball roundup in, in both episodes because we are a really good team, by the way. But I guess with that, let's just rip the Band-Aid off and, and talk about it. This was the worst red bandana day ever, Matt. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. And obviously, we jumped out to that early lead, right? We led it 14-3 to early on. For a little bit, it looked like this could turn into another NC State or Syracuse type of slugfest where, uh, you know, we get out to that early lead and never really look back. And then we obviously miss a couple field goals, a couple drives stall. Florida State figures out that they can just burn us with speed. And uh, they put up 21 unanswered to, uh, to take a 10-point lead in the third quarter. And then we're obviously playing catch-up from there. Uh, obviously not the red bandana game that a lot of us were expecting. Um, certainly not the type of game that I was expecting. Uh, you know, you, you kind of thought that if we got the lead early on, Florida State would, would sort of just give up, given the way their season's gone. But it's pretty clear that their uh, their interim coach, Odell, Odell Higgins, had, a, uh, had other ideas uh, on that day. Yeah, and just it's just more of the same. Our defense at this point, I don't know what else we can possibly – say about it. I mean, they're historically bad by every measure, maybe if not 
probably the worst in BC history. Yet another, you know, borderline record-breaking offensive performance, this case from a team, you know, without a head coach in 30-degree weather. The lack of tackling, the the lack of scheming, putting linebackers on wide receivers, going, you know, 4-3 on obvious passing downs. It's just dumbfounding at this point. And, 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 you know, if you thought there was even a chance that we kept FSU off the board in the final, what was it, two minutes, 23 seconds after the tying touchdown – you were out of your damn mind. I didn't expect them to get two touchdowns, a 60-yard and a 66-yard, but I knew for sure that there was no chance that that they were going to score. So if anything, I was glad they scored quick so that we had a chance to tie it up. Yeah, I, I said the same exact thing. So we uh, we got that touchdown, obviously, late in the game. Grossell had – what a kid what, – what a gamer that kid is. Uh, but obviously, he, uh, he, he lunges into the end zone, you know, t- ties it up, and uh, what was it, 24-24 at that point? And uh, first thing I said, I think I texted uh, you and, and our, our head of legal saying, basically, you know, we got to let them score so that we can score again. I mean, we saw it against Louisville. This is not a defense, that, especially in crunch time. I mean, they're just not going to show up. And uh, the F- Florida State from the second quarter on had really figured out how to beat this BC team. And obviously, they watched the Kansas tape. And I, Matt, I, we can honestly, uh, rather than go deep into the details here, I think you can just throw in like the, the five minutes we talked about uh, the defense during the Kansas game. So go back to that podcast and just, you could, you could throw every, that every, in. every single week. Every it single was week. the same exact thing as the Kansas game with, I know you talked about, you know, schematically, but it's also, I mean, it's tackling. It's, it's really everything. We don't have the personnel out there. I don't, I don't know that they're division one players, let alone power five, let alone ACC players. And, um, you know, Florida state, as we talked about last week, obviously has some big time athletes. They got five-star recruits, uh, skill players across the board. And, uh, they, they figured out probably by the second quarter that all they had to do was they really, they had three options. One, it's all right. We'll just throw, uh, you know, we'll, we'll throw deep balls to, to Maury and Terry or anyone. Right. And there's a pretty good chance that that's going to result in a touchdown. Uh, we'll throw a slant over the middle, get get a guy you know in, in any type of space, and we can count on at least four missed tackles, and then he's probably gone. Or, by the way, we also have this uh, this mobile quarterback, uh, Travis, or whatever his name is, right? And literally all we have to do is run any direction with him, and that's going to result in a touchdown. And it really was that easy. So uh, we'll talk about uh, you know Daz's future and all that it coming up in Duteous Corpus. But uh, there's absolutely nothing left you can say about Bill Sheridan's job at this point. I mean, it is just historically bad. 125th ranked out of 130 FBS teams. It's an embarrassment, and it's costing you know one of the most talented offenses in BC history. Uh, you know, three to five wins this year, I would say. Yeah, I mean, to be completely honest, I almost feel like it's one of the biggest indictments on Daz's incapabilities inca- as a CEO of a program that he's held on to Sheridan this long. Uh, it's, it's, it's absolutely beyond reproach that this man is still in a position of authority or a position of power. Sure. We don't really have any, you know, young guns on the staff right now. It's not like we still have Campanelli back there to, to kind of come up and take the, and take the reins though. Now you no, have to the, ask yourself, D-backs, why did we not? The D-backs coach, who I think, well, what's his name? Lewis from Colorado state. Yeah. I don't really know. He's, he's new this year, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't want, he, he certainly deserves some of the blame too. No, there's no one, yeah, there's, there's no one who you want. The entire so side of the football should be wiped out. Yeah, it's, it, it is frustrating now when you think, you know, why did we not offer Campanelli this job? Or, you know, if we did, well, well but he, I mean, he's, he's, he's not a defensive coordinator at Michigan. No, but he was a co-defensive coordinator and he got poached for, for money. And I think, you know, obviously BC has restrictions that Michigan doesn't and money is certainly one of them, right? So I don't think Campanelli 
you know, he was one of the, he was, you know, known, he won awards for being the top assistant coach in the country. We were not going to be able to hold on to him short of naming him head coach. Well, I also have, well, that wouldn't have been a horrible idea. I also have the conspiracy theory that Adazio is intentionally not firing Bill Sheridan because he wants to wait till the end of the year and then use him as a scapegoat. So he'll basically fire him at the end of the year and say, okay, no, now we're, now we're going to be fine versus if he fired him after Kansas like he should have, uh, if he fired him after Clemson like he should have, if he fired him after, you could pick any of those other games. What was the other record-breaking one in there? Uh, it was Louisville, I think, was a wet record as well. Fire yep. after any of those games, then you could say, okay, well, Clemson still came out and scored 59 points the next game. So maybe you're the common denominator here. So that's my conspiracy theory slash concern. Um, but it's just, there, there's literally, I don't think there's anything else we can add on the defensive and side of the And simple stuff ball. too. Like, why are you playing man-to-man against... Correct. Like you've you've your team, and a, yeah, correct. It, they suck, and 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 his very. I'm not really defending this whatsoever, but we were banged up in the secondary. I think Palmer and uh, and Connor Grico has been, you know, one of the few bright spots on that side of the ball. They were both out with injuries, so we had uh, Borgerson, who did play well against Q's, um, but it's obviously you know a, a different level against Florida State. Tate Haynes was back out there. Uh, Medial Truck, who who I hasn't I haven't been a huge fan of this year. You had personnel out there that you knew could not stay with this team from a man-to-man standpoint. I don't know that zone would have made a, a, a big difference because we've struggled there too, but that's unforgivable. And they were, they were doing press coverage too. And yeah, all they it, had to do yeah. was run go routes and it was yep. an auto- automatic touchdown. No, and and the first of the two touchdowns in the last two minutes was you know one of just the most pathetic excuses I've ever seen in my life. I think there were literally 11 missed tackles um, in the span of the 15 seconds that it took him to run you know, 60 yards down the field, but it's every play. It's, 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 it's so difficult to watch and as fun at times as this offense has been to watch. I mean, the Syracuse game was one of the more fun offensive performances I've ever seen in a, uh, as a BC fan, the defense is literally torture at a certain point. Like this should be something the CIA should, should run this on loop when they're, you know, off their, at their black sites doing like torture stuff, run this defense to any Boston college fan. And, and that's enough to make you tell every secret anyone has ever told you. All right, that's the state of the defense. No surprises there. Nothing has changed um, all season long. Uh, remember how high we were on these guys when they forced five turnovers against Virginia Tech? We don't have to get into quotes and who said. <laughs> we won't quote. We, we won't quote. Yeah. Into who said that they were, you know, this defense was going to be that. elite I'm gonna get that and, all, and all that. I'm going to get that tattooed <laughs> on my forehead. The, the, Matt, the, the Matt quote of this defense is going to be my favorite in Boston College history, but. Here we are. Man, I'll tell you what. Uh, let's talk offense because, you know, that that was a uh, – for the most part, they were pretty solid. Um, and they put some, you know, absolute electric drives together. And that was probably one of the most frustrating parts, right, is, you know, BC would put these 15-play, 18- or 8-minute drives together. And, you know, they would really earn every point that they scored. And then they'd kick the ball off, and FSU would just throw it deep or throw a slant over the middle, as we've talked about. And uh, they'd score within seconds, right? So – but but overall, offense was was I would say outstanding for the most part. You had uh, Grossell. Yeah. Okay. I'll I mean, they left finish. points. They left points out there, right? But they, they were pretty solid. Um, Grossell was twenty for twenty nine for two hundred twenty four yards and two touchdowns. Um, obviously, he threw an, an ill advised pass trying to make something happen in the fourth quarter. Um, Dylan had another great day on the ground. The line uh, was dominant as they've been. And uh, yeah, there were some drops out there, and and certainly you know they left some points out there, but. I refuse to let this offense take any any type of blame for uh, for for that game. Sure, that's that's fair. But again, I think outstanding is 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 definitely a little high praise. They had again two great drives to start the day, and then you know two drives to end the day, and that was pretty much it. I mean, that that was it. They again a lot of mistakes. The the AJ Dillon drop killed uh, killed us at the I think it was the you know whatever when we got the field goal to get within 
within seven. Uh, that was brutal to watch. And, you know, I'll say it was talk about just leaving points on the board. So you're not being able to finish the drives, but those to me are also kind of just the wrong coaching decisions too. I mean, we, you know, Boomer is, is obviously a better kicker than we've maybe had in the last two or three years, but he's not exactly Adam Vinatieri and trotting him out there for 47 yard kicks when, you know, you have a, a, a fourth and four with the best running game and the best line in the, in the country, stuff like that really bothers me. So when you really looked at it, hold on, we should talk about that. I mean, and, and explain this to me. Cause I, this is another situation where I, maybe I don't fully understand it. Um, or at least the, the, the anti-Daz narrative here that, that comes up every time, every time any decision goes wrong, every time I miss a field goal, the hindsight police comes out. I know we've talked about this before, um, but Ben, it was fourth and four, right? With what, 30 seconds to go. So best case, what? You, you, it was 30 seconds could, to go, Matt, because he let the clock run down, to be fair. It was a, this was a clock mix management. No, I think they completed. It was, so box. actually I have the box score here. So or the play-by-play here, it was 50 seconds to go. They completed a 15-yard pass to Jake Burt. Go and back. Was, go back before that. There was a couple plays, but there was a, a, a massive clock mix management. I was uh, walking around the stadium, kind of going section to section and watching it as I was trying to work my way down. Oh, um, so you were in the concession. So you no, don't really, incorrect. You don't really know. Very incorrect. I was popping up in the stairs, literally every play. It was like I was at a winery. I was, yeah. I was okay. at a winery. So I was yeah, watching yeah. the game on my phone. So. Okay. Fair <laughs> uh, enough. But, but anyway, so – but. It, it seems to me what happened is well, and also part of this too in their defense is you don't want to the, the drive to stall or even if you score on the drive you don't want to leave any time on the clock for FSU to take thirty seconds and, and get get points right so. But that I was not the only. But that was not the only fourth and short decision that he elected for a long field goal. I think there was one in the first quarter as well when they were driving towards the you know student section. Uh, I believe it was the third drive. So I think it was when we were at 14, 14 three and had a chance to basically step on the throats, go up huge and just end the day. If and, we convert, I mean, well, yeah, Matt, but, but, but when's the last time we've converted a 45 year old, uh, 45 yard field goal either. Louisville, I think was a, was a 40 yard boomers better from longer distance. I think we're getting off topic here. It doesn't really matter, but I mean, th- there's no given that you're going to convert. And then by the way, you give, you give the ball to Florida state uh, with half the field and they probably score there. So I, I get that. But statistically your odds with the best line and the best running game in the country are better of getting with, two yards with, than a 45. Well, it was a fourth uh, and four. It was a fourth and four with, and again, like best case, you're getting like 10 more yards there. So you're, you're making it a shorter field goal with the huge risk that you're probably not going to convert that. Cause four is just outside the range where you're probably going to run it. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I didn't, I know people love to get mad at Adazio for everything. That was another situation where I could sort of see both sides of it. Okay. All right. I, I, I disagree with you, but I think we made a promise before this episode to try to keep it civil. And I'm sure I have some uncivility coming into the courtroom, so I'm not going to waste it now. Yeah. So <laughs> with that said, I mean, overall, I mean, obviously an absolute dagger when you talk about, uh, you know, trying to get to, to seven plus wins this year. We, we said it last week. This was one of those games they had to have. Obviously, a huge disappointment for the Red Bandana, especially with the passing of uh, Mr. Crowther uh, this past year. So um, overall, just just really, really disappointing across the board to have that early lead, let it slip away. And, uh, you know, there's a handful of, of very fixable things or maybe not so fixable no, defensively. Not, not fixable. Well, well, I'll, I'll say there's, it's, you know, football comes down sometimes to a few key plays and our defense is incapable of making those plays. But why are, we, al- say, why are we always on the wrong side of these key I plays? I will say, well, just this year, defensively. I mean, I when's the last time we won a, we won a one-score game? Well, we'll get to that. Okay. Uh, 
But but I will say, obviously, the Florida State team has a ton of talent. You know, Blackman was slinging the ball around. Their their receivers are elite. We did stuff the run, so that was yeah, that was somewhat exciting, especially or except when the the, the quarterback was running all over the field. Uh, but it's pretty clear that Florida State team came to play for that interim coach. So um, we'll give him a little bit of credit there. But I'll say no. Look, the bottom line is that I think I think that. Uh, the Willie Taggart years will probably go down as the worst two-year stretch in, in the history of Florida State. And the fact that they've somehow gone 2-0 and against us in that time period is is absolutely pathetic. Last year's loss was was completely unforgivable. This year's is just it was just embarrassing. Again, we completely dominated the uh, we completely dominated the first half, yet only came up by four. Personally, I felt like at that point we had just no chance to steal this game, and I, I, I think I knew the writing was on the wall. But our inability to take advantage of these of these spots where we, you know, have wins basically for the taking, and we just let them slip away is incredibly frustrating. Uh, again, like you said, a terrible decision for Red Bandana Day to a do it, you know, not in a guaranteed night game. B to do it at the end of the year uh, just just horrible decisions overall basically trying to upstage senior day with it um, well let's relax there because I, I think the crowder family has some input on what day it is and they don't want it to be that close to 9 11 so i don't really like that whole right, well, that's, i think that's i think that's also a leap as well i don't know if you can say that they specifically don't want it near 9 11 especially because the first two were literally i think like the weekend of no they specifically don't do it the weekend of for that exact reason man have they, is what, do I, you is have what I read I, no, I haven't talked to the family. No, but that's what I've I've, I've read. So that's a new uh, either one. way, that's a new one. If I've, that's a new one, and I don't know that I fully buy that. We're, we're getting off that. track here. I think we're on the same page. Very disappointing loss, and it's going to make the uh, the rest of the season an uphill climb. I will say there's zero debt in my mind. We'll go into South Bend and knock off Notre Dame, but we'll get to that next week. Yeah, there's doubt um, in my mind, but okay. <laughs> I figured there would be. Um, all right, so the the kind of key point of, or, or I guess the the point of this episode. Uh, obviously, we're on a bye week, and we'll cover Notre Dame next week. But we did want to get into the courtroom. Before we do that, Matt, uh, you want to talk about BC Hoops. I don't have a ton to say, but if you want to talk about BC Hoops, why don't you take the next yeah, I'll just, I'll just do that. I mean, I just need 30 seconds. Look, this team is good, and if you're not on the bandwagon, you should be. They are 2-0 and with uh, two, not power five wins, but I guess power power wins. Um, Wake Forest stinks, but they're still in ACC. We're one and in the ACC. And then USF is actually a good team this year, a tournament bound team. So, most says likely. Who? Says whom? Says literally anybody. Weren't they in the C- They were in the CBI last year, which I guess is better than we did last year. No, no, no. They're, um, they're, they're fully like a, a, a tournament hopeful team this year. That will end up as a quadrant. <laughs> a tournament hopeful team. No, that okay. will end up as a quadrant one win at the end of the year. We, we were a tournament hopeful team in 2015. That will, that will end games. as a quadrant one win at the end of the year. I don't know. I mean, I know why, because you, you, you somehow want to take the, the heat off of Adazio. So I know you root against this basketball team, but you're going to be missing out in March and you're not welcome to watch the, the team when they are uh, in the tournament in March. I'm just making that rule right now. But you've said that every year because you love Jim Matt, Christian. You, you took USF with the points. Well, that was a business decision. Um, and it was wrong. And I, I hope you bet against it every year and I hope you lose all of your money. <laughs> well, that was the heat of the moment because I figured some of that, I, I mean, that people were obviously going nuts about fire dads and all that. So I figured I'd take some of the heat off them. I don't, I didn't want that going out to the public um, because yeah, I don't well, know why I feel the way that I do about football yep. versus hoops. Um, but I guess my, my message is um, let's pump the brakes a little bit because Wake barely beat Columbia or something like that. Oh, Wake's in their not a second good team. Game. No, Wake's, Wake's not a good brutal. Team. And then South Florida was missing their top two players. And again, they were a CBI team last year. So I'm just saying, just again, wanted we to got put that these, out there. These, these freshmen are ballers. Did we turn the ball over like 27 times too? Yeah, and still won. Aren't we scared of what's going to happen against like Virginia and actual competition? 
I mean, I'm not saying they're going to win the ACC, but I think that, you know, you're also in a conference where if you're in eighth or ninth place, you have a legitimate shot at the tournament. Okay. Yeah, I'd believe that when I see it, I guess. We have never finished better than, what, 13th? So it'd be quite a quite a hill to climb, um, obviously, with without Bowman and Tabs and everyone else relying on. Well, we got Thornton, who is good, a so. superstar. Thornton is the Duke guy who's an absolute superstar. The freshmen are good. This is the best defensive team Christian has ever put out there, which is Eli actually Carter, a nice change of pace. Eli Carter, sorry. Eli Carter Eli, never looked good. Eli Carter scored 30 against, like, uh, I forget who, like San Francisco or UC Riverside, I think. So, so this, um, is, this is a little bit different. I, I'm very confused. I don't know why you're rooting. We'll get to I'm this. Not, I'm not. You are. I'm, well, no, I want Christian fired, and I, I think that there's a lot of false so you would rather, you would about rather, this program. you would rather fire him than, than have him go to the tournament. No, not at all. I just don't think that's in the cards. So I want to pump. I want to manage everyone's expectations. That's all. Okay. All right. Well, before we get into the courtroom, uh, a quick word from our friends at Manscaped Number One in Men's Below the Belt Grooming, offering precision-engineered tools to perfect your family jewels. Guys, we all know we're staring danger in the face anytime we need to clean up below deck. That's why Manscaped has redesigned their electric trimmer for good. Their lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin-safe technology, so this trimmer won't nag or snag anything it shouldn't. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. Manscaped also has the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer, which I'm sure we could all use whether we're playing in the game or watching a fourth quarter barn burner from the sidelines. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. Always use the right tools for the job. Your balls will thank you. Matt, this studious corpus will be more painful for you than a pinching or nicking undercarriage trimmer. So with that, let's just head into the courtroom. All right, court is in session. So the bottom line is that we are bringing in Steve Adazio on a now annual trial. This has been really every year, I would say. This is round round three, Matt, and the jury's still out on who who won rounds one and two. Although well, no I will one say won that, them. well, I think Coach Adazio is still here, so I guess I would say that I won. Uh, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, would you say I won that's a correct decision? Would you say that's a correct decision that he's still here? Are you happy with this year? Well, that's an that's an interesting question, Matt, and I think we'll answer it uh, throughout the course of the next fifteen minutes or so. I don't know that I don't know that we will, but the bottom line is that he needs to go, and he needed to go yesterday, Matt. I'm just going to throw the numbers out here. These aren't a surprise to you. You've heard these a hundred times, and somehow your opinion is still what it is. Forty three and forty three overall, twenty four and forty two against Power Five, twenty one and thirty four against the ACC, one and sixteen against the top twenty five. Never more than seven wins in seven seasons, and it will be again not not this year as well. If you keep him at this point, you are accepting mediocrity, expecting mediocrity and saying that's all BC should aspire to ever be is mediocre and we should be happy with seven and five and we should be happy with never going above 500 in the ACC, which is really what all the ESPN pundits are saying. And that as a BC fan really infuriates me because it's all these patronizing fans who just think, you know, BC never has a right to compete for a national or let alone a national championship, an ACC championship, which... I think we all know where this program was, what, 10 years ago. Yeah, I think that's where you and everyone else in the uh, the BC Fire Daz uh, Twitter echo chamber is sort of conflating the argument a little bit. Um, and, and I'll give you, my, my argument is pretty straightforward. It's never wavered. It's not really debatable. And I think it's applicable really to every single football program. It's not specific to BC. It's, it's, it's binary, right? If you have a better option, at t- 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 if there's a better option out there, to hire as the head coach, then send the current guy packing. If not, you stay the course. 
And I think what makes BC's position unique this year, obviously, and all each of the past couple of years, is that every other hot seat situation uh, is, you know, there's not a ton to lose by firing the guy, right? Because more often than not, it's, you know, it's it's like Chad Morris at Arkansas. The guy's won, you know, two games in, in two years. And you really, you haven't, he hasn't really built anything. So there's nothing worth, worth tearing down. So, who, I mean, who really cares? Obviously for us, if you're going to fire Daz, you better damn make sure that you have the right replacement. Otherwise, you're going to uproot the best offensive line of running game in BC history. You're going to jeopardize the recruiting stronghold in New Jersey and Ohio. You lose Bajaki, uh, Coach Bajakian. You piss away the futures of Zay Flowers, Bailey, Garwo, Frable, Pine, Mahogany, your boys, the, uh, what's it called, lay the wood guys, uh, Shida, uh, Shida, Shida's a swear word, um, and and all that you you, lo- you potentially lose by uh, yeah, by canning it right? at this point, right? Pot- yeah, sure. Um, and, and where my frustration comes in is the names that I've seen floated over the past few days. You know, Chad Morris, who I mentioned, he he was floated out. Some guy named Bob Shoup, who's seven and twenty three, he was a coach in the Ivy League. Um, Joe Moorhead, who's really struggling, will probably get canned at uh, at Mississippi State. If we're willing to shell up for the right guy, like Mike Leach comes to mind, Luke Fickle, Jim Leonard, who's who's lighting it up at Wisconsin, you know, there's a ton of names like that that I say go for it, right? If there's a guy out there that BC is willing to shell out for, then go for it. I'm but, not saying that, that there's not a better option than Daz out there, but I think you and I both agree it's unlikely that BC gets him. Okay, but your argument, so your argument is just basically that you want the best coach that we have. That's not an argument. Like that's not a, that's not an art. It's just you're you're physically not making art. Yes, of course, I would rather Steve Adazio than I don't know my high school my, coach. All right, so so I'll put it in I guess plain yes. English. If that wasn't if that wasn't clear enough. I think that Steve Adazio, short of hiring one of these other guys, is the right guy for the job as of now, and has the potential to go beyond seven wins that he's shown thus far. What what and what, I, and, what has, and what I has think shown you that he the, what, has the, what has shown you that, that, he, that he ever has the potential to go above seven wins? Honestly. What has, okay. what has shown you in, in... And I think you yourself said this uh, last episode of the episode before. If we combined this year's offense with last year's defense, we're like a top 15 team. So it's clear I, that he's but, able to, to build uh, you know, an elite defense, send a ton of people to the NFL, and then also have you know the best offense in BC history. But, at do, least you know how, to the but do you know how... But you know how mathematically impossible it is to be that consistent in the sense that you have a good offense only when you have a terrible defense and vice versa. I mean, again, the year that we had the Don Brown best defense in the country, we were the worst offense in the country. Like at a certain point, your sample size is, is, is getting large enough now that we have to just appreciate that it is what it is. And whether that's a, you know, maybe it's a, a whether it's a, a budget issue of we can only hire one good coordinator at a time or whatever it might be. And we need the head coach to kind of pick up the slack. I don't know what the issue is, but at a certain point you can't say, well, yeah, you know, it's it's it, we've had good defenses and we've had good offenses. One of these years, maybe in year eight, we'll have them both at the same time. And especially watching this year, by the way, there's no indication whatsoever that this defense is you know going to gel and next year all of a sudden you know figure it out so the bottom line is we know what we have at this point and again if 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 you're okay with that it's kind of just accepting mediocrity right like there's no risk that's not what i'm saying at all i'm not saying i'm happy with seven wins and by the way it was going to be eight wins last year so just relax with that and and what i'm saying is i think that the pieces are in place 
especially with what he's done on the opposite side of the football this year, especially considering who we lost last year. We lost four starters on the O-line. We lost three of our top four receivers. So we, we should be psyched offensive... with, with, on, with going 8-5 last Let year. Let me finish. Yeah. We lost our offensive coordinator. We lost our starting quarterback midway through the year, and we're still putting up our best offensive numbers since the Flutie days. This is exactly the type of offensive identity that he's been building throughout the last seven years. And now it's in place. He's got an elite running game. He's got an elite offensive line. And I just Correct. I, and what is he doing with it? I'm not comfortable pulling the rug out right now just because, and I don't want to say just because, because it's obviously been an embarrassment. So he has but everything that he wants. What is, the de- what is The defensive side of the football, we lost a ton, and it was a perfect storm this offseason, obviously. But if we had an average defense, I think everyone agrees, we would be a 10-win team. Right, and everyone agrees that, again, the year we had the Don Brown defense, if we had an average offense, we'd be a 10-win team, but we don't have that. And again, the ACC, by the way, has gotten materially worse since the first day he stepped on campus. The talent level has absolutely gotten better, and I think that you know absolutely is a credit to him. But ironically, it's it's a huge indictment on him that the talent is as good as it is, and the ACC is as bad as it is, and we still can't get over the hump. Last year's team, the fact that we sent whatever it was, 10 guys to, to NFL training camps, and still in that ACC could only come out with a 7-5 and five regular season record and a sub-500 record in the ACC is absolutely mind-boggling to me and it shows that he's a horrible in-game manager he's a he's a poor you know in-season CEO essentially well, sub 500 it was 500 just get, get your facts okay right. fine not above 500 whatever I think that's or, or, good for you we beat <laughs> we beat Wake Forest and Louisville and add whoever else you want in literally the worst ACC of all time but it, it's beside the point it's 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 at a certain point we know what we have it is frustrating and the bottom line is that if we just continue to do this, it's just, you know, I looked at the I looked at the the student section and the young alumni section on Saturday. It was completely empty at kickoff, and it did get jam packed at end of the first quarter, start of the second quarter. By halftime, it completely emptied out. And sitting there, I was very frustrated at the time. I said, why doesn't why don't people care the way that you know that we do? We want home field advantage, all that stuff, all that good stuff. And he quickly realizes that I don't blame them. And then there's a huge amount of apathy that is set in. And at a certain point, you can't blame the apathy anymore because it's the administration saying that we're just okay with seven wins and there's nothing that's going to change from that. If you could show me flashes, and we talked about this last year, you said, look, if you get seven wins every year and every now and then you get the chance to win nine and 10, we'd all take that tomorrow. But there's been no indication in seven years that that's going to happen anytime soon under this regime. And, you know, at a certain point, you just got to know when to, when to cut bait. And it's my sincere hope that it happens, you know, within the next three weeks. But at yeah, the same I time, I have nothing nothing to to expect from that. One thing on attendance, I, I agree with you. I don't know that that can be blamed on Adazio necessarily. Like, well, it's on women. I, that's, it's a college football thing. And, and you look at any message board outside of the Blue Bloods, outside of Clemson, like Virginia Tech. I, I pay a lot of close attention to Virginia Tech for whatever reason. And they have the same thing where no one's coming to their games anymore, despite, you know, they're putting a pretty good season together. Um, but I, I think it's just the, the I don't know if it's, I don't want to say it's the millennials, but it's, you know, at least at BC in particular, I think it is the type of undergrad that we're recruiting these days, I, right? I, yeah, I disagree um, with you. And I'll, I'll let you finish it. Well, no, I'll, I'll do you think if we, had a, if we had an air raid offense, do you think like the nerds no. in Costco would be like, oh yeah, now I'm going to go watch the air raid? No, I think but I think, I think if we were six, and, I think think we were six that, and one or, or, or five and two, I think they would, yeah. or you're getting votes. I mean, it, I mean, we saw it. We saw I it agree. last year when we were when we were ranked for, for a minute. Like people cared. Dewey's, the Game Watch bar in New York was absolutely jammed. This is a fan base that is a sports fan base still. We've just sure. stopped being a college sports fan base and because find me a coach that can get us to that 10 and 2 that that you know we talk about all the time and i'm in 
That's why, like, my argument isn't that ridiculous. It's just I don't think that's realistic. But what's okay? So what's your solution then? That that's the thing. Is I you, think is you, you, yeah, sure. I, I think that um, you know you understand what this defense went through because that's really the issue right now. Just like we talked about last year, um, where it was to me, it was we needed a more consistent quarterback and we needed a kicker. And then outside of that, we'd be you know we'd be absolutely probably a, 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 we we would have done what Syracuse did last year, right? Ten wins. Um, with this year, it's obviously you know the defense across the board. Um, and I think that we knew that coming in. Uh, I think you and I are, were obviously very optimistic that these young kids would put it together. But we got, I mean, we got absolutely uh, shredded this offseason with everyone in the pros. And, um, you know, we returned like four guys, right, that had never started a football game before. We knew this defense was going to have growing pains. Fortunately, what we do have is, is Adazio is one of the best developers of talent, right? I think you would agree with that. On the offensive side, I will – on the offensive no, line, come certainly. On. Look, think of all the, the the defensive guys that are in the draft right now. Right, but couldn't we also say that you know there's been some phenomenal defensive minds and now that they've left, it seems like there's – there's at least normally been development throughout the year. When Don Brown's there, he's, he's figuring things out throughout you know, the year. Campanelli figuring out things throughout the year. We're seeing that now those guys are gone. There has been no development whatsoever – throughout the defensive side of the ball. If anything, it's gotten worse. Yeah, yeah and I, I, I probably agree with you that we probably missed on a recruiting class, right? So the current, I don't know, sophomores, juniors, I guess up to the seniors too. Obviously, it would have been great if, if Hamp returned. That feels like an excuse though. That's not like that would have fixed everything, right? That's not Here what you I'm go. saying. Right, me, I got, I got, no, I got, no, 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 I got no, two Matt. quotes for you. I got two quotes for you. The This to me sums it all up. So here is two people quoting. I'm not going to tell you who is who. We're going to figure that out after. This is the first quote. Listen, this isn't complicated. I mean, we lost a fair amount of players on defense, and we've got some very talented players that we're trying to plug in on defense, and they're young. That's the first quote. I'm not going to tell you who said that one. Second quote. It was, it was Steve Adazio, and the second one's John Lamont, Matt. Sick. We've got guys that fun, haven't fun started game. previously, but they've had enough playing time and experience to limit that excuse. So I feel like that shouldn't be an excuse anymore. Not really an excuse in the first place. To me, I feel like we just got to play better. Yeah. So you were correct in your guesses. The second was John Lamont, who was a linebacker on this team on the defense. The first was Steve Adazio. There's zero accountability. There's zero recognizing, hey, you know what? We actually do need to make a change. He's at not a single point acknowledged a mistake or, or, or shown any, you know, any indication that he's going to change something on defense. So it is a, a lack coach, of accountability. Every single coach talks about youth. You look at uh, Dino Babers. But he's talked about Dave youth Thorne. for seven, seven years, on. Matt. Seven well, years. Well, no, he didn't say anything about youth last year. Fine, one I mean, out of seven. Yeah, college football cyclical. This is what happens. You, you 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 hit on recruiting classes. You lose guys to the NFL. Some guys go to the NFL early, and you you miss on recruiting classes. You lose assistant coaches. You have injuries to key players. College football cyclical. It's the reason that Syracuse went from ten wins to likely three wins this year. Uh, NC State, same thing. Northwestern, right? They're, they, Where's they're our cycle? Win, Where's our cycle? team this year? Well, I'd actually say it's a credit to Adazio that despite having one of the worst defenses in college football history, he's able to, to maintain that floor of probably, we'll call it six wins, right? Um, so we never have again, an up cycle. We just again, have a flat well, cycle. Yeah, and, and I think that, and we talked about it last year, that if Dylan stayed healthy, you know, last year could have potentially been a nine-plus win, uh, you know, season very easily. And we talked about this year, if we had any defense whatsoever, you know, we can get there. It's just a matter of things coming together at the right time. I don't, I don't think that take is is that outlandish. Well, it is, again, at a certain point when it's 70, like your sample size is now large enough where it's becoming an outlandish statement. Matt, if this was year two, I don't I know, think anyone's having this discussion. It's not year like it's three, the same four, thing. No one's having this discussion. It's not it like is it's the same it's, thing. Well, it's not. It's, it's not, always though, something, though. I agree with that. And I, and I totally. Which is a problem. I, I totally get that. 
But Adazio's an offensive guy. He's an offensive line guy, and we finally have the pieces in place where we have an elite running game, an elite offensive line, and I agree that the defense needs to be gutted. We need to fire the D, D coordinator a month ago, right? And we probably need to grab a bunch of grad transfers uh, to, sh- to shore up that, that side of the football. We still need a kicker, although we got Benny Sauls. That's another guy we lose. Our guy, Ben Sauls, best kicker in America coming next year. So that goes away. Uh, um, I don't and, know and, that it does. Yeah, I, I know. I know. And, and I'm saying, you, you also have Grissel, who's looked absolutely you know, awesome in his, in his you know, first meaningful snaps. And then you know, we have a, a talented QB run, but Jake Ian's been great. It, we, and I said this last year, too. If we have 80% of the pieces in place... And maybe 80s too much this year because the, the whole defense, you know, is accountable here. But why wouldn't we just attack those pieces? Because you agree we have a ton to lose by starting starting from scratch, right? I think I don't think we. St- I think that you are drastically overestimating the start from scratch mentality here. If you bring in a coach that, you know, is is someone that people want to play for, you know, the 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 transfers are not going to be as significant as as you expect. The D recruits are not going to be as or decommitments are not going to be as significant. It's like you you look at this as if we fire a coach who's gone seven wins every year that every single player in the locker room is going to hang up their jersey. Every single commit is going to start fresh, and we're literally going to start with zero. And that's just not the case. Of course, there's going to be turnover. That's inevitable. But you're not going to lose, you know, the whole line. It's still I mean, a running. Would, this team is still built around a running style right now. And again, by the way, but we're not going to hire. Right? No, but we're Are not we, going to. But we're also not going to try to bring in Cliff Kingsbury. We're not going to hire an air raid coach because no, that's not Mike, what our players Mike, are built for. That's not what our style is built for. Well, so you're still going to try to fit someone. What's the point of making the college football? Hold on. What's the point of making the change then if you're going to employ the same style of football? Because you're going to get on, someone who on. can do it better. And you and I have have talked to. We've had the pleasure of talking to countless. Um, families of, of players, right? And I've talked to a couple of the, the parents on the O line, and these guys love Daz, and they're gonna play. They like playing for Daz because what he does is he he takes guys that aren't recruited from the factory schools, he develops them, and he puts them in the NFL, and that's what these families care about. If Daz leaves, if he say he takes the Rutgers job, I guarantee you we have a ton of attrition from the line, from the running game. Garwell lives, you know, forty five minutes away from Rutgers campus. He's gone. I mean, it's just I I. I think that you're probably overestimating the number of people that would stay for a new coach and deal. And I think the fans, I, I think so the whole, the whole, hold on. I think the whole grass is always greener approach too. I think fans just assume that when you bring in another guy and he automatically succeeds and he gets this team from seven wins to 10 wins. And that just doesn't happen 99% of the time. We've seen Willie Taggart. We've seen Chad Morris. We've seen guys that get high, uh, uh, Joe Moorhead, who people wanted two years ago here. It just doesn't, it's, right, it's not so- an automatic success story it's just it doesn't happen that way of course it's not so then by your logic we no one should ever fire a head coach ever because because the risk is no. because the risk is you're going to lose transfers and the oh. risk is that you're going to lose oh. what, what was your other you're going to lose fans again at this point matt the apathy in this fan base I, again i, I, and, and no, the, I didn't say anything about, i didn't say anything about fans what, what i said is you know fans want to make a change because fans are idiots sorry to everyone listening but it, it, it's, Matt, you it's, were the idiot in this situation. I, I, I could I, be. I very I, well could be, Matt. I, I, and that's, you know, I, I have to live with that. But from all the, the, the families, parents I've talked to, all the ESPN analysts, all the Clemson, like other stop, opposing Matt. fans. Don't stop listening to opposing fans. They don't know. They don't watch the know, games but, that we watch. I'm just, they, they, I'm they worried know, about they, they everyone, don't know what all Boston the BC College fans has to sell. That are in this echo chamber that they say, oh, I thought we were ever to excel, not ever to mediocre. And they look around like it's the most original thing that, that you know anyone's ever said. There's a ton going right with this program. And the issues are fixable. 
We need to do a lot on the defensive side of the football. They've been fixable for seven years and nothing has been fixed. But what Daz is good at is working this year. And all we need is to bring in Anthony Campanelli to right the ship defensively. Or you just Washington said there's or, no chance he comes back. You just said that five, 20 minutes ago. You said there's no chance Anthony Campanelli comes back. No, there was there was no chance we were going to retain him. As a defensive coordinator, why, why co- would he now a, come back? As a co-defensive coordinator, Matt. And now I, I agree. It's probably time to open up the wallet and, and, and make oh him coach. Or, or Al Washington or, or whoever, Matt. It doesn't matter, but we need to find someone on the on the defensive but side of the football. But why not say that for a head coach then? Why not say the same exact argument for a head coach? We just need to find a better head coach. You haven't given me any candidates that, that you want as opposed to Des. Do you have any on your list that you think would do a better job? Um, I mean, I think to be honest, I mean, I think or it's just let's fire him, see what happens. No, I think that you are putting a little bit of trust in you know a guy like Martin Jarman to be able to make the decision, who's worked at you know these Big Ten schools, who's been around Gene Smith during big hires who kind of gets it. So yeah, I'm putting a lot of faith in him. I, I Yeah, Matt, I'm not going to let the, the BC interruption commenters hire the next head coach. That's <laughs> obviously not the plan. But the idea is that again- You want Edsel? Do you the, want Randy Edsel? I, he's, he's a close family friend. He's a neighbor of mine. The bottom line is that, you know, if you look at what you're saying is that, well, it's just a risk to fire him, which you're absolutely right, Matt. It absolutely is a 100% risk. We could fire him. The next guy we could bring in could be, you know, Willie Taggart and be a complete dud, and we could win four games next year. And I'm sure you would love that because the second we fire Adazio, you're now going to look at this program like you do basketball and root for us to lose every week. But the bottom line is that not taking a risk is not an argument for staying with something that we just, we know what it is. We know what it is. And ESPN thinks that we should be happy with seven wins, and Clemson thinks that we should be happy with seven wins. I personally don't feel that way. It's a desirable job. You make $3 million a year. You have no media pressure whatsoever. You live in a great city. There's a lot of selling points of you know this Northeast football school. And I think anyone saying otherwise doesn't get it or or, or candidly just just has this affinity, a weird affinity to to Steve Adazio. And you're just as guilty as that as as the guys down in Bristol. So I know, but that's a minor, that's like a minor thing. I do love the guy. Um, and I want so badly for him to succeed. But I think that's a small part of it. I'm, no, it's I'm the that you hate of, Jim Christian and you love Steve well, Adazio. That's on. the bottom line. Well, Jim Christian's been historically bad. That's I mean, at least Dad's been mediocre. Can, can, hold on one second, because because really what I'm what I'm concerned about losing is the identity he's built, and it's the fact that as a Northeast school, what we need to do is play power football. And we need to have these huge running backs, and we have them for the next six Matt, years. That's, we need you to know have this, this better huge, than anyone. This is we need what to he have built. This huge We've been on you for fifty years. We, uh, we we lost that during the Spaz days. Sure, we don't, lost but don't look at Spaz. You cannot you cannot then look at the worst hire we ever had in BC history or one of the worst and say, well, it's better than that. We've been O line you for a hundred years. Okay, so here's the other thing too. We we will lose New Jersey if we if we can't Steve Adazio. Um, but the Rutgers is obviously hiring Shiano. He owns that state. I mean, we have. Very important recruiting footholds right now that we I think can't we lose. I think lose. We, if, and, if they hire Shiano, we lose. And we're going to go back to the to the days where we're recruiting from New Hampshire and you know you know BS schools, and we're going to lose Ohio. And that's just that's not something I'm willing to go through again because it sets you back not just for the few years that the interim coach potentially fails, but it sets you back for until you can get those back. So you hire someone like Adazio who hires great assistants that got into those so uh, true, recruiting. Right. What? No, I, I, I continue. I'll let, I'll let you finish, and then I have just one question, and then I would like to end this conversation. <laughs> can you see my side of it, though? No, I, I, can see I, yours. I truly cannot. I truly cannot see your side. 
I know, but like last week you were saying how, how thrilled you are to have Daz as coach. So it's just, it's hard to keep up with. And it's not just you, it's all the fans. I expect more from you, but it's all the fans that every time we lose, it's let's fire Daz. And I'm, I'm just exhausted. Matt, I obviously am always looking for optimism. Matt, I would love if we had that offense. If we, if we won every game by 100, that would be the best thing in the world. But so when we win by 100, I'm obviously going to be psyched. I'm not going to be one of these fans who's like also super negative when, when, when they lose, because that's not fun. But I'm also a realist when I see things from my own eyes for three hours on a miserably cold Saturday afternoon and, you know, realize what it is. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and I guess that's fair. Um, I, there's no doubt in my mind we beat Notre Dame. Um, so it's going to suck when that happens because you're probably rooting against that to happen because that's going to save Daz's job. So that's unfortunate. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's my take on it. I think that's what, the, what everyone that is pro Daz, if there's anyone left, um, in the fan base, probably not, but you know, at least the ESPN analysts, I think that's their take. Yeah. ESPN is historically right on, on football opinions, especially when it concerns think, things in the Boston area. I think area. Eric McClade, who was, a uh, you know, actually played and probably has a, a better leg to stand on when, when talking about this type of stuff than you or me or Matt, Eric all, McClain all doesn't Twitter. watch BC every year. He, he, or every week. He, he covers he talks the ACC network. He, he talks to Steve Adazio and likes the guy and he's an offensive lineman so obviously he's going to like the guy and by the way shouldn't it concern you a little bit that our ACC counterparts are so excited and, and so upset that that there's talk of of getting rid of a guy like that's a little concerning I would love if pick whatever I'll show you, shitty coach I'll show in the, you ACC. The, the tigernet.com post in which they said as soon as BC if they if they do they're idiots for for a fire good so you think soon, that you think on, that, you think honestly that tigernet.com knows more post, about Boston College football than 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 you and I or the rest of the fan base the next post was boy I'd love to have him on my staff great so that's Matt that's he'd his... be Matt he is a good staff member he's a good recruiter he's a great offensive line coach there's no question about that the question is that he's a horrible head football coach that's the only that's, answer. That's not true at all. I, and I think a lot of, if we're talking game management, in-game, I agree it's not his strongest, uh, you know, it's that's not his problem. strongest characteristic. But I think you and I would both agree that he's made some major improvements to, you know, I, I think people are still harping on like the Georgia Tech game or the Wake game in 2015. He has not been that same type of coach. If anything, he's been more aggressive uh, in, in going forward on fourth down than, than, you know, any other coaches, right? I mean, it's not the same. It's it's not the same old Daz. And I think people are getting hung up on that. And I think you and I have talked about that before, but now you're sort of twisting it to, uh, you know, to, to support your argument, which I guess, you know, that's what you have to do. But it's not the same old Daz. All right, here's he's, the bottom line. Here's, sure. here's, here's get, the bottom line. Get, get I, I, I have one question, and I just I want your honest answer. So if we go 50 years, and Adazio stays 50 years, he's 110. I don't know, however old he is. He wins seven games every single year. Seven and seven and five, seven and six every single year for the next fifty years. This is years. a dumb question. I've already when you look this back, question. How are you? How do you feel about that? Are you happy with how you spent your your last 60 years of watching Boston College football? I've already answered this question. I, I you have whole point. You're happy with that. Because you'd rather just hang on to him forever because it's easier and we don't lose New Jersey and we don't lose all this stuff. He set a baseline for seven with the potential to get more than that. But what's, that's what, what, I'm, what that's is his what potential to get about. more than that? What is his potential to get more than that? You can't call it a potential when in seven years he's never done that. Cutcliffe was, was you know, below 500 for eight years, and then all of a sudden he threw back-to-back 9-10 win seasons together. So, so that's where you, when you, we're when just you hoping pull, for the best. When you pull a program out of the gutter, it takes time. Sure, it's taken a little bit more time, but I think we're as close as we've ever been to, to being the BC, and, you know, this is the identity that we need to have. And um, until we – until – hold on. Until Lays willing to open up the wallet, which you and I both agree will never happen, I think he's the guy for the job. You are accepting mediocrity, and as a as a fellow Boston College fan, that that disappoints me to to no end. I will say that much. 
Tell you what, this has been a great debate. Um, excited uh, going forward. We'll see what happens in the next couple weeks. Um, but I don't know. I, I think obviously we're never going to see eye to eye on this. Although we've had this three straight years, and each time you do manage to come back and and, and see it, not necessarily my way, but you do no, manage I don't. to have the same optimism. I well, have optimism I mean, because what else is sure. what else is there to have? What obviously I'm going to have optimism, and this program is going to kill me one day, but. I, there's nothing. I mean, there's nothing else. To, it is what it is at this point. I, 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 I mean, I'm at a loss. Okay. All right. Well, I think that concludes uh, our duteous corpus for the day. Unless you have any closing comments, there, Matt. No, I would. I would. I would just like to end this segment as quickly as possible, and I do not look forward to having to come back and talk about what's undoubtedly going to be a 500 yard game from Notre Dame next week. Yeah, but what if we put up 600? Yeah, so, I just don't see that happening. Something to think about there. Um, all right, so that's I think that's our episode for for this week. Uh, like we said, we'll be back next week for uh, for more Notre Dame coverage, and then uh, go through our, our usual segments. But hope you guys guys enjoyed this debate, and um, I feel like probably ninety five percent of you won't agree with me, but that's okay. Um, I think it's it's a healthy debate to have, and we all want what's best for this team nothing, going forward. Nothing and about that's... this is healthy. Nothing about this is healthy. <laughs> I want to be very clear. Just just say the line so we can end this episode. Uh, it's a doodle alert, folks.